Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for our brothers and sister in Christ leading us to the throne of grace tonight. You are worthy, Lord Jesus. We honor you. You were, you are, you are to come. We honor you. We praise you and we thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives. We come now in the middle of the week with all of our uh, challenges and all the things that we face and we come now and we look forward to this time in your word and we thank you for this opportunity. We pray that we might bring our minds and our thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ. May what we think about lead to our obedience and may our May our lives be counted as worthy of the gospel by which we have been saved. We thank you for the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the guidance and the direction and the life-giving power of these words. And we pray that tonight as we look at the description of what we're to be as Christians, how we live, how we act, how we think, how we feel, what we desire, May we all examine ourselves tonight to make sure that we are in the faith, that we are saved. And may we do all that we can by the help of the Holy Spirit to increase our, our faith in you and our commitment to live holy lives different from the world so that we might share the gospel. For, for all of us in this room with all the burdens that we bring from family needs to other uh, health issues, and all the rest. We bring it all now before you, and we thank you that you are the one who meets us at the point of our need, and you know exactly what we need, even before we pray and ask for it. What a loving, what a gracious Father you are. We thank you for that. Thank you for your great love for us. And we are some of those who have come to know and believe the love of God, which you have for us, and we thank you for it, how it warms our hearts. So bless us now in this time as we look at your word and we thank you for the chance to do it and to have the fellowship we can have together now around the word of God. Forgive us of our sins and may we receive the word of God gently and gentleness and humility for our own good and for our eternal good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good evening, good to see all of you uh, here. I'll try to talk to you as wide as I can here. Uh, if you don't have an outline, you probably need to pick one up. They're here or they're at the back because there is no way I'll be able to have you turn to all of the passages we'll be looking at tonight. And I do want you to be able to follow along with me. We continue in our study of Matthew chapter 5, what's sometimes called the Beatitudes. Now, these are actually the characteristics of the Christian life. So again, the outlines are here and some I think at the back outside somewhere. Pardon me? All right, none in the back. You got to make your way to the front. And if we run out, we'll have to make more, okay? All right, Matthew chapter 5 is where we are. Let's read again these wonderful verses. As I said, these are a description of what it looks like to be a Christian. The Lord Jesus is describing for his disciples what it looks like, what, is a, what are the characteristics of the Christian life. So we read Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse number 1. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, 
blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Or you might read it, God blesses the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. May the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we come now to verse number six. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And here's the focal truth. This is the, the, the focus I want to take tonight. Those who are spiritually hungry and thirsty are blessed. Or God blesses those who are spiritually hungry and thirsty. I want to read something to give you a contrast in what we'll be talking about tonight. Uh, I, I want to remind you again what we've seen already. The poor in spirit, as I've described here for you, to be poor in spirit, a Christian, only the poor in spirit go to heaven. Only the poor in spirit go to heaven. And to be poor in spirit is to recognize our sinfulness. This is the first place. You know, until I come to know until I come to the end of myself, till I recognize my sinfulness, I can never experience the salvation of God. So I must uh, confess my sin, I must repent of my sin, and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so poverty of spirit, spiritual poverty, is that which leads us to salvation. And so the poor in spirit are the only ones who go to heaven, and we who are believers are poor in spirit. And we are also those who spiritually mourn. It doesn't mean that there's not other kinds of sadness in our life. There's not other kinds of grief. But this is godly sorrow. And godly sorrow leads to repentance. And godly sorrow leads to holiness of life. So tonight, if you're a Christian, you experience this matter of mourning over the remaining sinfulness of your life. You always look at it and think to yourself, you always think to yourself so... Why is it I still want to go back to these old ways? It's the way Paul described it. Remember in Romans 7? Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I want to do the right thing, and yet I don't do it. In my mind, I say, yes, I want to follow God's law. I want to do what God says. And then I go out here and do this. This is the mourning. This is the sadness that we live with on this side of heaven. That's why heaven is so sweet, because we're transformed and we experience the glory of heaven and the separation from this mourning and this, as Paul calls it, the body of death. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Well, only in salvation will that happen in heaven. And the reality is all the days of your life and mine, we are spiritually mourning. We are spiritually sad. We are spiritually sorrowful because of the remainder of sin that continues in our lives. And so then we came to gentleness or meekness, sometimes it's used. Uh, 
This, this is a very wonderful word, and we're, we, we looked in detail at this last week. Gentleness is the quality of Jesus Christ, and we who are saved experience in our lives by the Holy Spirit a gentleness, an ability to live uh, under the control of the Holy Spirit and living in gentleness uh, with a spirit of gentleness that leads to gentleness in our actions. And then we come now to hunger and thirst. So what is, let's talk about for a moment these two these two um, words, hunger and thirst. All of us today are very aware of hungering and thirsting. You've, you've dealt with it with your body today. Hungering and thirsting has to do with our appetites. Uh, hungering and thirst has to do with our bodies. And I, I, I gave you this, uh, just, to, just to get us going here, the Lord uses this description of hungering and thirsting to describe spiritual desires. He uses the most basic thing. Every animal hungers and thirsts. All the created order has in common hungering and thirsting. Uh, little children hungering and thirsting. Uh, teenagers, what can I say? Hungering and thirsting? I hope you have a big refrigerator if you don't have teenagers yet, some of you young ones, prepare yourself. You're going to think you have milk in there and you're going to go in there and say, what happened to the milk? And they drank it all. Out of the carton, by the way, not in a glass. So we all experience this common issue, don't we? Hungering and thirsting. Well, hungering and thirsting represents our desires. It's a, de it's a desire. God designed the body for us to to have appetites and to crave to fill our body, to satisfy uh, what we need in order to be alive. So it represents desires. It represents our need. Hunger and thirst isn't, is describing our physical need. If we don't eat, we don't live. And so it's important. Hunger and thirst is a sign of life. If you're alive, you have hunger and you have thirst. Your appetite may be strong. Your appetite may be Less, it, it depends on you know, what kinds of condition your body's in. The reality is all of us, if we're going to stay alive, hungering and thirsting is a sign of life. But we have this great contrast, this beautiful picture here of the Lord. And I want to give a contrast to what the world is like. I want us to talk about spiritual, uh, the contrast between verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and the sadness of what those who without Jesus Christ hunger for. And I'd like for you to keep your finger in Matthew 5. This isn't in your notes, but it's over in Philippians chapter 3. I'd like for you to turn over there for a moment. In Philippians chapter 3, uh, Paul makes a comment about the appetites of the, the hungering and the thirsting of those without Jesus Christ. They're all around us today. You went to work with them today. If you're, if you're a believer, I'm speaking here, assuming on Wednesday night, most of you know the Lord Jesus and you're saved. So we've been around people today who have hunger and thirst, not only for physical food and drink, but they have desires. They have appetites. And oh, how we underestimate the power of appetite in our flesh. So Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 17, Brethren, join in following my example. 
Paul's not trying to be arrogant and proud here, but he is trying to be as a spiritual teacher to these Philippians that he loved dearly. He says, follow my example. We hope we can all say that as a believer, wherever we work, wherever we are, follow my example. Live like I live. You can follow my example, a Christian can say to those around him, because you'll be safe with that. You can follow my example. Because my example, I follow the Lord Jesus. But go on, he says, following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. So we, this is what we do. We watch each other and how we overcome. I watch you as I've been your pastor for many years, to observe many of you go through the trials and the fires and the things you've gone through. Uh, you know, I think about Adam sitting over here, whom I've known and for many years and all the things, I'm not trying to embarrass him, but all the things God has done in his life. Uh, it is a joy to see, it is a joy to watch, to observe those who walk. I'm not saying Adam's perfect. I'm simply saying that he has sought with sincerity and his heart's desire, as many of you have, to seek to follow God. And he says, observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. And then this is the contrast. For many, many walk. And remember, the word walk means the way you live, your lifestyle. Many, Paul would say here, have a lifestyle of whom I have often told you and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross. But then notice how he describes an enemy of the cross. Someone who is lost without Jesus Christ is an enemy of the cross, whose end is destruction. What happens to those who are not saved? Well, they face eternal hell. Their end is destruction, but then notice the second description of those who are without Christ, whose God is their appetite. That's the world. Let me go on. Whose glory is in their shame. That's the world today. The most shameful things have become the most glorious things. This is the world. This is those without Christ. They set their mind on earthly things. Oh, look at this. This is what should break our heart. This is what should cause us to... Go to the streets, go to our friends, go to our neighbors and share with them the gospel because this is the condition of those without Christ. What a contrast. Blessed, blessed, blessed. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. But here we see those without Christ, their God is their appetites. So tonight I ask you this very important question, brothers and sisters. What is the condition of your spiritual appetite? What kind of spiritual appetite do you have tonight? Are you eating well spiritually? Are you consuming and taking in what you need so that you might... How... the con, You see, uh, uh, Pat knows... As, Big and fat as I am, if I'm not eating, well, I'll, there must be something wrong with you, Mike. Yes, that's right. You've taken me off Oreos and M&Ms and you've put me on these diets. I'm having trouble. 
But when someone's sick, their appetite isn't strong when they're, when they're, and they become weak. And the weaker your appetite is, it affects your human situation. I'm asking you tonight to examine your spiritual desires, your spiritual appetites. The world's God is their appetites. So we see it in perverted lust. We see it in perversion of desire. People are driven by desires that consume them so much that they sacrifice their lives, their health, their families for what they think will be the best for them. Their God is their appetites. But the Lord Jesus says, no, but for the Christian, we are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So, on your outline, what is spiritual hunger? Well, I, want, I, I didn't want to give you just one sentence. There are some elements to it. So let me talk about it for a moment there. And you can see I've tried to highlight these various phrases. Again, what is hunger and thirst? It's desire. You wake up in the morning, you have hunger. You, you, have, you have hunger pains during the day. Those are the natural part. Yes, our body gets uh, spoiled. And that's why when we fast, we learn something about how our bodies and our flesh sometimes control us, don't they? We learn from when we fast as believers. Uh, that's important, not as a dietary matter, but as a spiritual matter. You know, the world talks about fasting for diet, and sometimes your doctor will talk to you about fasting for health purposes, but I'm talking about for spiritual purposes. And we'll sometimes talk about that in some detail, about fasting and the importance of it in our spiritual life. But you see... When you fast, it helps you really discern the real appetites that drive you. And this becomes very important for us all. So spiritual hunger and desire, first of all, is the desire or the need. It, it's a desire that expresses the need for righteousness. In Romans chapter 3, uh, I won't have you go there, but again, it's Paul's description of those without Jesus Christ. I mentioned it Sunday. There are none righteous, no, not one. No, none seek God. When we're lost without Jesus Christ, none of us in this room before we were saved had righteousness. We, we did not care about righteousness and we did not seek righteousness. We sought God. Our appetites were our God. We, we filled ourselves, and we experienced and put in our body and did the rest with our minds those things which, which brought no satisfaction to us. Hunger and thirst spiritually is the desire, the desiring for the need for righteousness. It's expressing our need for righteousness. And spiritual hunger and thirst is a real desire in the mind. Just as real as your um, physical cravings and appetite just as real as your spiritual craving and appetite. And I'm asking you tonight, what condition is your, what condition are you in in your craving for spiritual things and for righteousness? This is a really important question for all of us to evaluate tonight. If you've been dulled in your spiritual appetite, you must ask yourself why. Why do I not have the kind of hunger and thirst for righteousness what is it that I'm substituting for my hunger and thirst for righteousness? So spiritual hunger and thirst there on your outline are desires for more graces of the Holy Spirit. 
and more holiness and Christ-likeness. This is what we desire. This is what we crave. This is what we crave. It's interesting that with your body, you, you know this, and so in our family, we, you know, we've learned that the, you know, based on our genetics and the way we're it's interesting to see our family and my children and my grandchildren, what they crave that's similar to what Pat and I crave. You know, there's just certain foods and certain kinds of things that your body seems to crave. I'm asking, what do you crave spiritually? What are the spiritual cravings of your soul tonight that demonstrates the condition of your spiritual life? Those who know Jesus Christ, those who are saved, hunger and thirst for righteousness. So what did Peter say? I've given it to you there on your outline. 1 Peter 2, 2 and 3, great words, like newborn babes, even the baby out of the womb is ready, is hungry and thirsty. Even the smallest baby who's not done any kind of physical exercise, just being born, the first thing, they're crying and they want to eat and they want to drink. Like newborn babes long, this is a, this is a craving word. This is an appetite word. They long for... Like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, so that, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. And then notice the last line of Peter here in verse 3. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Oh, the mothers in here know when these babies have their first taste, when they drink, when they suck for the first time. They're hooked. Have you tasted of the Lord? Do you long for His Word? Do you have an appetite? Are you driven as powerfully by your spiritual appetites as you've been driven by your fleshly lusts and cravings? We know those. But I'm afraid as your pastor, as I observe us all, we don't. We're not as well attentive to our spiritual cravings. And sometimes we don't even miss it. You can't go long spiritually without eating. In fact, if you're saved, you will eat. If you say you're a believer in Jesus Christ, but you have no spiritual desire, that's why I'm challenging you to think about your life. At some point, your life will be over. At some point, you will give account for your life and what you've done. You'll give account for how many times you heard the Lord Jesus' words preached or you read them. And you'll have to decide and recognize you're in the condition you're in because you've, that's what you've chosen. Psalm 119, 103. How sweet are your words to my taste. Now, we're not ever in this room. I've never seen it in all my years of preaching God's Word. Anybody literally take their Bible and eat it. But when you read it, you taste it. When you read it, you taste it. Oh, some children will protest. I don't want to eat that. That's yucky. 
but then their mothers. Well, my grandmother used to put sugar in spaghetti. No wonder I like it so much. When you taste it, when you taste it, you want more of it. You like it. You crave it. When you miss it, you say, I want more of that. Can I have some more? Can I have some, a second helping, a third helping? Do you do that in your spiritual life? Oh, I've read a little while here. I think I'll read a little longer in my Bible. I think I'll spend a little bit longer in prayer. I was talking to the pastors this afternoon, our staff meeting. We were talking about private prayer and the importance of it. And I was telling them, you know, I'm always reminded of the quote of Luther, the reformer. He said, I have so much to do today, I'm going to pray three more hours. How sweet are your words to my taste. Do you feel that way about the Word of God? Well, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness and you've tasted it, you want more of it. It's like a fellow said to me, I was talking to him about, you know, knowing the Lord and, and uh, the importance. He said, well, all, the, all, those, all you people do up there at the church is read your Bible. Don't you get enough of that? And is that all you do? Oh, yes, but you don't understand why we read it. It's because of what we've tasted. When we've tasted it, when we've tasted it, it's sweet. Yes, Psalm 119.103, sweeter than honey in my mouth. Spiritual hunger and thirst is spiritual appetite for more of God's grace in our lives. I've given you some examples here. So what is spiritual desire? I, the Lord talks about it as he describes it in prayer by saying it's asking, seeking, and knocking. But I would say to you, that's also what it is when you're hungry. You know, you ask for something to eat. You seek it, you go hunt for it. When you're hungry, you're looking for something. You're asking, you're seeking, you're knocking. This is, this is a description of spiritual desire. How aggressive, how strong are your spiritual appetites? And I submit to you that as, and you'll see as we get to it, the, the more that God satisfies you, the greater the greater desire you have for more. This is a contradiction. Satisfaction in eating makes you not want to eat anymore. But when you're satisfied spiritually, you want to keep eating spiritually. Psalm 119.40, I long for your precepts. Do you have a craving so desperate that you must be in God's word every day? I long for your precepts. This is, a, this, is a, this is a word to describe desire. We long for lots of things. Some of us long for restor restoration of relationships. We long to be with our families when we can't be. We long for uh, lost opportunities. We long for friends that are gone to heaven. We long. We, we have longings. But what are your spiritual longings? I long for your precepts. So what does he say? Revive me, look at this, through your righteousness. Give me your righteousness so that I might experience life. Psalm 73, 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? Notice, and besides you, this is the description now of a man 
who had spiritual appetite. I desire nothing on earth. The things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. That's what we sing in the hymn. So your desires, are your desires earthbound, earth-focused, or are your desires heaven-bound, heavenward, and spiritual? This is the question that all of us must ask tonight. And you have, you've been given another day of life, you're here tonight, and you have another opportunity to hear the Word of God and to make that choice. Uh, Philippians 3.10, what is Paul's appetite? That I may know Him. Paul says, I want to know Jesus Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings and be conformed to His death. I want to live like Jesus. I want to know Jesus Christ and who He is. This is an appetite. This is His desire. Uh, Proverbs gives us some promises. The desire, notice, of the righteous will be granted. What is your greatest desire? Lord, bless my family. Lord, you know, heal my body. Lord, give me a good job. Lord, make me help me make money. Or, Lord, make me holy. Make me like Christ. Proverbs eleven twenty three: the desire of the righteous is only good. Look, the people of this world, their God is their appetites. And the devil knows that. The devil knows how God made humans. He knows it. As a fallen angel, he knows. He's aware of the glory of creation and how the Lord Jesus created all things, how man was created. He knows. The devil knows about the appetites. That's why temptation has its traps around the appetites. The appetites. But seek first. Here's another appetite word. When you're hungry, you seek food. I want to ask all of you, my brothers and sisters, are you seeking His kingdom and His righteousness? And all these things will be added to you. You know, that's in that great famous section in the next chapter here of Matthew where He talks about don't worry about anything. Right? Don't worry about anything, what you're going to wear, where you're going to live, what you're going to eat. Your heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask. So what do you do? You seek first His kingdom, His lordship, His authority, His presence in your life. You seek that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and you seek His righteousness. And God adds all the rest for you as you go along. It's amazing. When you walk with God, God takes care of all the things you thought were the most important. When you put the most important thing first, the Lord takes care of the things you thought were the most important. He'll always provide and take care of what you, what you need. So what is righteousness? We talked about this Sunday, 1 John 2, 29. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of Him. Well, righteousness is, the word righteous is a word that means pure innocence. 
Rightness. It's, it's rightness in actions and relationships. It is purity. It's, a, it's an interesting word. The one word righteous. God is righteous. He is, he is pure innocence. He is, God is light in Him as there are no darkness. As some of these things I said Sunday mornings we were talking about righteousness and the righteousness of God. If you know that God is righteous, if you know that, then you know that those who know Him, who are born again, practice righteousness. So I want here to give you two uh, terms that some of you are familiar with, some are not. When you come to know Jesus Christ, you receive what's called imputed righteousness. This is a word we use in describing. These, that word is not necessarily one we're very famous with, but when Abraham believed God, in the book of Romans it's described, and in Genesis, it was imputed to him. It's a financial word. It's what happens when you, your check goes into the bank and they impute. They put that to your account. That's what happened to you and I when we became Christians. We had no righteousness. We were saved. And what happened? This is a glorious thing. This would require some time. We're not here to do it tonight. This is a glorious truth. You are living as a saved person with imputed righteousness, and it is the righteousness of, righteousness of none other than the Lord Jesus. So I give you 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, He made Him, God made Him to be sin, who knew no sin, please notice, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. That is an astounding thought. So that when God sees me, He sees me through, in Christ. He looks through me. He sees me in Christ as a believer and therefore he looks at me as if I've never sinned. What an, what an unbelievable statement. Romans 5, 17, For if by one man's trespass death reigned through one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace, that's us who are saved, and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. We have all of this because of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have imputed righteousness. But I want to get to the other side because I'm convinced that what the Lord is talking about here is this desire for the reason why those who have the imputed righteousness of Christ experience also, and I've given it to you here in this description, the implanted graces of the Holy Spirit. Something is planted in you. The Lord described the Word of God like seeds. James said, receive the Word implanted. You see, when, you, when you're saved, this is a, this, and I'm talking about spiritual, you can't see this with a microscope. You can't look at this with a magnifying glass. This is a spiritual matter that happens inside of you, but it's as real as your physical body. When you come to know Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to be in you, listen, and He implants in you. He implants in you the graces of the Holy Spirit. He gives to you spiritual gifts. He gives to you knowledge and ability to understand what you could not know before. If you know He is righteous, then you know. You see, this is what we talked about Sunday. That's assurance. You have an anointing from God, 1 John 2.20. And you all know. You didn't know before you were saved, now you know. My point is this, that what the Lord Jesus is describing here is our hunger and our thirst, our spiritual appetite for more of the graces of the Holy Spirit. We want to be more like Jesus. 
We want to be more like him. And the Holy Spirit plants that in us. And there is now in us, in our new nature, a burdensome desire, a longing to be more like Jesus Christ. We want more. Philippians 1.11, having been filled with the fruits of righteousness which come through Jesus Christ. That's what we have. So tonight we're describing the desire because we have the Holy Spirit possessing us and filling our mind, He affects our desires and our craving. Now, we come to this wonderful promise. And I could go on with that, but that's enough for tonight on the appetites and spiritual hunger. I'm only asking you again tonight, so what shape are your spiritual, what condition are you in when it comes to your spiritual desires? Do you have them? My friend, if you're saved, you have them. Say, oh, they're weak in my life. Okay. They may be weak, but if you have them, you're saved. This is the point. If you don't have spiritual desires, then you need to look at your heart. You may not be a Christian. You might be a religious person and a good Baptist, but you may not be saved. But now we come to the blessedness. I love this. The blessedness of spiritual fullness. Spiritual fullness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be, I think King James is filled, but we read, I'm reading New American Standard, they shall be satisfied. So we see this wonderful promise about the Lord satisfying and filling us. I want to use the word filled because it's less familiar to us. Satisfied doesn't always um, ring for us. I, I added a verse for you that I want to read beginning with, I want to read this one beginning here. And uh, in, for the sake of time, let me just quote it. It's Psalm 81.10. I, the Lord, am your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Open your mouth wide. I'll fill it. What did the Lord say, John 7? He stood and cried at that great feast when the water was being poured out by the high priest. If anyone is thirsty... Let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of water. This he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believe in him were to receive. And now here we are. On this side of the cross, resurrection, ascension, and Pentecost, you now are possessed by the Holy Spirit. If you are saved, you're possessed by the Holy Spirit. Because of that, there is within you a fountain, a refreshing. It never stops going. You know, even some of the springs here in Tennessee in dry weather will get slow or sometimes stop. But not this spring, not this fountain, because it's the Holy Spirit in you. I don't think there's enough awareness about... It's interesting. We are very... 
And perhaps it's because of my own going through this in my life. You know, when we have some physical issue, we become very familiar with all the physical things about our body, very in tune with all of that and all the rest. But how aware and how sensitive are we to the presence of the Holy Spirit in us? The Lord said, John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me, look at this, will not hunger. You're full. You're full, but you're still hungry. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. We're full. I can't take any more, but I want more. I can't take any more, but I desire more. I crave it. I want more. Give me more. Psalm 145, 19, he will fulfill, look, these are all promises. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. What's the desire? What is the desire of those who fear God? More of God. I am describing the normal Christian life here tonight, not the super Christian. This is true for every believer in Christ. And I'm calling you to be sensitive to where you are in relationship to this. Psalm 107, 9. For he has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. I'm full. That's why I can be content. That's why the world doesn't charm you anymore. Who needs it? Who needs what? Ne you see, on, when you stay with the God of appetites in the flesh, you always got to have more. I got, I got to have more. I got to have more. This is the problem for the alcoholic. This is the problem for the drug addict. This is the problem for the adulterer, for the fornicator, for the sexually impure. This is the problem of the thief. This is the problem of the coveter. We get it. They want more of it because it never fills them. The only thing that fills you is the Holy Spirit of God. And when He comes and fills you, why do I need that anymore? I have no desire for that anymore. I don't care about that anymore. Paul said, Philippians 4.13, My God shall supply all your needs by his riches in Christ Jesus. So the experience of spiritual fullness produces a desire for continued spiritual fullness. This seems like a contradiction. How can you be full and desire more? Well, if you're saved, you know what I'm talking about. I'm full, but I want more. To know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. I just... Keep filling me up, filling me up, filling me up. It overflows and fill me up. And do not get drunk with wine, Ephesians 5.18. That's dissipation. Be filled. And, and actually, you know, this word, if we were reading this in the original language, it is be, being filled. Stay filled with the Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Colossians 1.9. We have not ceased to pray for you, Paul said, and to ask that you would be filled 
with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and knowledge, filled with knowledge, filled with the peace of God. Psalm 119, 131, I didn't put it on here, but it, it's a wonderful verse. I opened my mouth and panted, for I long for your commandments. I'd rather read the Word of God than eat my food. I'd rather take my time to concentrate and be with God than I would go run the roads and go be with all my friends. This is my desire. This is my longing. I'm full, but I want more. This is what the saved man or woman says. Spiritual fullness is continuous because the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit is continuous. He put all things in subjection under His feet and gave Him His head over all things of the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. That's what, that's what He does. He fills us. The Lord does not leave you empty. He fills you. He who descended is he is himself, the Lord Jesus, who ascended far above all the heavens. Why? Look at this. This is an astounding verse in Ephesians 4.10. It deserves some meditation. The Lord Jesus, we spoke about our high priest. He descended and then he ascended. Notice this. Above all the heavens and so that he might fill all things. We serve a God who fills, not empties. He fills. He fills you. So what are you full of tonight? What are you full of? You're filled with something. Galatians 5.23, we know the fruit of the Spirit. That's, that's the filling. This fruit of this, this filling of the Spirit, it produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. The mind set on the flesh is death, but ah, the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, listen to what Paul says here, Romans 8, 11. If the, Spirit of, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Filling. Life. When you eat, you live. Through His Spirit who dwells in you. So what do we remember tonight? Here's, a great, here's great news. Spiritual hunger is a blessed hunger. You want it. And only the saved have this hunger. Only the saved. So what do we do? Keep coming to the fountain. Don't plug up the spring inside of you by the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. He is in you now. Oh, I love this promise of the Lord. Revelation 21, 6, I am, Al I am the Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, and I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. Here you are. Here you are. I keep giving you. Look, if you drink, you never thirst. If you eat, you're never hungry. You're full. Be filled with the Spirit tonight, my friends. And taste and see that the Lord is good. 
Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man or woman who takes refuge in Him. To the praise of the glory of His grace. I say to you, my dear friends, the Lord is near to the door. We are not farther from the coming of the Lord Jesus tonight. We are nearer. The Lord is near. He is near. You know how to look at the signs in the heavens and you know how to look at the signs in the seasons, but do you know the signs of the times? So we say, as filled ones, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. We are full. We are filled and overflowing. <laughs> you have filled us. You have satisfied us. And yet we want more. That's a good thing. May the cravings of our soul grow tonight. May there be a greater May we expand, enlarge our hearts. That's the way David said it. Enlarge us so we can be filled even more with you. May all of my dear friends who are here and those who are listening online, bless them who are not with us in person. May we all experience this great promise as the Lord promised Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. 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 God bless you all. Say hello to somebody who's here tonight if you don't know them. Uh, some of you are here with us. God bless you. If we can do anything for you, if you're a guest, come on by and let us talk with you. Have a great evening. We'll see you, Lord willing, Sunday.